You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number four of Aging Starts Now, a podcast of Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. I'm your host, Tim Takus, and today we're talking about Medicaid and the Medicaid numbers. Joining us today is our guest, our own Joshua Bay, who is our public benefits specialist. Welcome, Josh. Thank you for having me. All right. So let's just get right into it. Um, what are the numbers? We talk about those as, you know, when we're doing Medicaid applications, you're doing Medicaid applications, which in Tennessee is called TenCare. Right. But we'll refer to it as Medicaid because we know we have a lot of listeners who are not just in Tennessee. So what are the numbers and, and why are they so important to what you do for our clients? So just out of habit, just want to say that we refer to Medicaid as TenCare Choices. So if you hear me mention TenCare Choices, I'm also talking about Medicaid. Okay. So today I'm going to talk about, um, I'm going to focus on the spousal impoverishment standard because that's when numbers are important when it comes to TenCare. Um, if you're a single individual, of course, you can have no more than $2,000 or, you know, in a house, you know, uh, your house equity can be the, no more than uh, $595,000 right. as of uh January 2020, of course. And in Tennessee, we know is they do, we, we take the minimum number of value of the house, Correct. equity. And in, and in some states, they also have the option of raising it to $893,000. Okay. Okay. So uh, the minimum community spousal resource allowance is, uh, as of 2019, it was $25,284. It increased in 2020, $25,728. $25,728. Correct. Okay, so if there's a minimum, there is there a... There's a maximum. Okay. And the maximum community spousal resource allowance uh, as of 2020 is $128,640. And the way that TenCare explains um, how they calculate either the minimum or the maximum, how do you know if you want to get the minimum or the maximum? It says, and it's in their policy manual, one half of the total countable resources, but no less than $25,728 or greater than $128,640. So when TenCare is calculating your resources, if you have you know, $25,000, you have no spend down. You're a married couple. You're a married couple. Okay. So walk us through an example of a couple that when they come to us and they have a house and they have a spouse in the nursing home, you know, and they have maybe $200,000 in countable assets. Okay. First of all, what are countable assets? Correct. We do have to determine what the countable assets are. So in simple terms, countable assets are checking accounts, savings accounts, uh, CDs, money market accounts, retirement accounts, and investment accounts or bonds. Does it matter whose name they're in, whether they're in this spouse or the nursing home spouse or the spouse at home? It does not matter. It is fully countable if it's owned by either or or owned jointly. Okay. Or even owned by somebody mm -hmm. else, I guess, by one spouse, maybe in a child or something. In a child, correct. Uh, you know, we do have a lot of clients that say, that say, well, my kid's name is on the account. 
and can we uh can they you know have half and it's like can we prove that they own half of those funds and that they actually uh contributed to the account right. and most of the time the answer is no no they're on there for convenience Con- or whatever for convenience sake and that's actually fine with tincare for them to be on there with convenience sake it's just you know we you know we always let tincare know that they're just on for convenience sake and uh, they don't own any funds with you know with this account because it could trigger a you know look back of you know, did we gift anything? Did give the money away, or did they gift yeah. anything to the right. child? Okay, so let me let me back up on my example. Okay. So we have a married couple that comes to us, and they own a house, and it's paid for, and they have thirty thousand dollars in countable. So they have thirty thousand dollars in countable resources. Uh, again, they are above the minimum of twenty five thousand seven hundred twenty eight dollars, but their spend down to get to that minimum is is really is really simple. In reality. They technically wouldn't have a spend down because they can have that minimum of twenty five thousand seven hundred and twenty eight dollars plus the two thousand dollars that the that the institutionalized individual can have. So technically, when you look at it, they can have about twenty seven thousand dollars right. as we tell our clients. Right. So three thousand dollars is usually an easy spend. It is. It is a very easy spend down. It's normally you know paying possibly the patient liability as of the month of application or. Patient liability, meaning what the, they owe the nursing home. What they home. owe the nursing home, because it is a cost-sharing program. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you have a patient liability, TenCare would determine the exact amount of that patient liability. Right. right. Okay. So, so that sounds like a pretty easy one where we can say, you can tell a client that, or the, the married couple, because they're always worried about, am I going to keep my house? Uh, and, you know, do I have to spend down the $2,000 because we all hear that, that since we do this every day, well, we heard that Medicaid, you have to, you can only have $2,000 doesn't apply to a married couple that it does not apply to a married couple. Um, and right. sometimes you do have to make that clear with Tinker. They, have, of course they are human and they have computer systems that, that, uh, push out incorrect denial codes. Right. So, um, if you have a married couple, I mean, and a spouse mm-hmm. that's in the community, um, they have to complete what's called a resource assessment, and that resource assessment will determine how much you can keep and how much you have to spend down. Right. And TenCare can actually complete that resource assessment for you if you don't have a firm like our firm to help you throughout the resource assessment. And one of the the downfalls of TenCare completing that resource assessment is it, it may take them three months to complete the resource assessment just because they have to process the application mm-hmm. as if you were applying for TenCare. Right. And in the meantime, the nursing home bill keeps it running. Keeps running, correct. Right. Mm-hmm. So the nursing okay. home bill keep, you know, keeps running. And that just, re, you know, I mean, the nursing home bill does count towards spend down. Yes. But um, some of our clients you know, would rather spend money my, on, you know, possibly improving the house or improving the community spouse's living situation. Right. Because I, I I, think we both know is, is that, yes, the, you can spend money on the nursing home, but you can also spend the money on like the house, the house, uh, improving any, the house any, any way to benefit the community spouse Correct. and buying a car. Correct. Uh, buying funerals. F- funerals and whatnot. Correct. Um, so you don't have to spend it on the nursing home. Correct. And paying the nursing home is totally fine, but you know there's things that could again increase the you know the well being of the um, community spouse spouse. or the institutionalized individual. Well, frankly, I mean, I think you know is the that's why they call it spousal impoverishment law because what was happening prior to the the law was passed in 1988. 
Uh, and prior to that time, people were spending, if you were a married couple, you were spending down to 2000. So that left, that left the spouse at home impoverished. Correct. Hence the purpose for the, that's why they, you know, I, I, I think that was a good point that you just made is, is that we as a firm, we want the nursing home to be paid. Correct. We want them to be paid. Right. But we want to use the 10 care policy to right. the advantage of. For, from our clients. For our clients. Right. You know, like we always say, as long as everybody follows the rules, and that's part of what we do is, is that we want the nursing home to follow the rules. We want 10 care to follow the rules because we're going to follow the rules. Correct. That's our job. Correct. Okay. So let's, let's go back to the numbers. Mm-hmm. So the married couple comes in and they have 200,000, not 30,000. They have $200,000. So if they have $200,000, 10 care does a 50, 50 split, meaning okay. that the institutionalized individual can have $100,000 and the community spouse can have $100,000, but the institutionalized individual has to spend their $100,000 down to $2,000. So technically okay. they have a $98,000 spend down and that's where it goes to spending the funds down. Does it benefit the community spouse or does it benefit the institutionalized individual? Right. If it benefits them, then TenCare considers it spend down. Right. And I think it's important for those our listeners to know that Tennessee is one of those states where you don't automatically get the maximum. You don't automatically get the I mean, maximum. I know that, Correct. like, for instance, in Georgia, our colleagues there would say as well, in, in Georgia, we automatically get the 125 or 127,000. Correct. So they wouldn't divide it in half. Correct. So even in those cases, if a married couple came into us that had only 100000 they would qualify Correct. immediately. Correct. You know, so we're, again, one of those things there. We're very, we're very, very yeah, very uh, conservative. Conservative, that, <laughs> yeah, correct. So, speak, yeah. correct. so they're going to split the 100000 that way or the $200,000 that way. Mm-hmm. So we have a married couple that comes to us that has 300000 in countable. Right. So how does how do the numbers work? Since you have three hundred thousand dollars, you know, uh, if you split it fifty fifty, the uh, community spouse would have one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is above the maximum amount of one hundred and twenty eight thousand six forty. Mm-hmm. So what TenCare does is they'll subtract the one twenty eight six forty from the three hundred thousand and say the community spouse can keep the one twenty eight um, six forty, and the remaining has to be spent down to two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So again. You can't go above the maximum amount of one twenty eight six forty. Right. So, your does the community spouse does does he or she have the right to decide what asset they want to keep? Because maybe there's an asset that's like, you know, for tax purposes, maybe correct. it's low basis or high basis or whatever correct. it is. But they want. But is that a cho- is that a choice that the that spouse- is a choice that is a choice and and a lot of times here we you know we, we look at it from a tax standpoint or even a availability standpoint, because sometimes it may be beneficial to get them spent down during the month of application and gotcha. trying to surrender a life insurance policy could take up to 45 or 60 days mm-hmm. to get the correct paperwork in and to get the money actually available. Mm-hmm. But TenCare considers life insurance policies fully countable right. or even trying even trying to surrender a mm-hmm. retirement account. Could, be, could take a considerable amount could of time. Could take a considerable amount of time. So that sounds like there's a practice tip here. If Correct. people get into us early, Correct. <laughs> and we can help them. So as soon as they hit the nursing home, they're not spending 60 days trying to get even get access to their money. Correct. That's so why, that costs them money. Exactly. And that's why it's important that, you know, sometimes when, you know, patients or clients are admitted to the facility and they, they're admitted on 
under skilled days and they have those first 20 days covered, then the next 80 days is covered through copay and covered by the supplemental insurance. Right. That's that's a very important time frame to, you know, either surrendering funds, making funds available or or at least planning at, at that time, because right now it's being fully covered through, you know, Medicare and their supplemental insurance. Right. So don't, don't dilly dally and wait for the nursing home to give you a bill for $9,000. Correct. Correct. Or more. <laughs> exactly. Because they'll send you a bill for $9,000 or they'll be looking for a payer source. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing when it comes to, you know, paying the facility is they just want to be paid. Right. right? You know, they're providing a service and they want to be paid for providing that service. And, you know, we want to ensure a payer source. Right. So whether it's private pay or, you know, Medicaid being the payer source. Right. Okay. So we know about the numbers about, so in the case of $300,000, the person, you know, they've got to spend down a hundred thousand or whatever that number mm-hmm. is. So we, we buy a maybe buy a new car, we buy funerals, they pay us our fee, which is spend down. Maybe they need to do a little bit of spend down to the nursing home. You can actually buy a house. Yes. You almost said you can actually buy a house for spend down if you you don't have a house or if you want to, you know, sell your current house and buy, you know, you know, maybe a smaller house or more expensive house. Or you can pay off a mortgage. You can pay off a mortgage. Mm -hmm. You You can can pay pay debt. debt. Correct. Mm -hmm. Anything like that you can do. Correct. Uh, You can't give it away. Can't give it away. Um, Well, Kind of sort. If you plan for it, you can give it away, and yes. that's what we tell a lot of our clients. Clients is to plan for the uh, plan for the gift, right? And, and it's not. Uh, yes, a gift does trigger a uh, you know a five year look, look back, back or period. sixty month look back period, but there's that gift may not total. 60 months exactly right. you know. so there's some strategy there there's some strategy there that's correct. that's one of that's a, that's another podcast yeah, there's another podcast, another podcast <laughs> talking about what about the strategies so correct. so we're looking at the numbers and the client you know the the spouse in the nursing home gets eligible for for 10 care get on, gets on medicaid what happens then to the income so um the income when it comes to 10 care um they have the income is not counted together, but it does. The, the Tinker normally focuses on the uh, income for the institutionalized individual. Right. And then uh, at the end, they look at the in- income for the uh, spouse, meaning that um, spouse at home, spouse at home, the community spouse. Tinker has a minimum and a maximum from that for that also for that. Also, uh, the minimum uh, for 2020, which it hadn't changed just yet from 2019, which it'll probably change later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the minimum is uh, $2,113 and 75 cents. 2113 something. 75. So the minimum, so they mean that if you have less than $2,113 and 75 cents gross, uh, they'll use the institutionalized individual's income to bring you up to that amount. Okay, so the community spouse has fifteen hundred dollars a month in Social Security. The community, the spouse in the nursing home has twenty five hundred. So the spouse and the the spouse in the nursing home basically pays the the com- in community spouse like six hundred some dollars. Correct, correct. So the deposits will con- come this come in the account the same. Uh, okay. Nothing will change about that. The um, it'll just change from a standpoint of what the nursing home would expect to be paid. Gotcha. So um, they'll be expected to be paid again, six hundred dollars less due to the spousal allocation. Right, that's and that's like the spousal impoverishment thing. You can't live on fifteen hundred dollars a month. Correct, and and it's really hard nowadays. Even to, to live, live on twenty one hundred dollars <laughs> a month so, too. Yeah. 
but they do have a maximum also. And, and the ma maximum? And the maximum is uh, $3,216, but it's really hard to get that maximum. So how do you get it? It's called exceptional circumstance. And normally to get the exceptional circumstance, you have to go through the appeals process with TenCare. And you have to have an exceptional circumstance such as a medical expense. Okay. Meaning that you pay, pay medical costs on a regular basis above your income of $2,113.75. Right. right. So maybe the, maybe the community spouse has diabetes or some, Correct. some drug cost or, or high shelter expenses or something like that. Does that kind of thing, that's really kind of the stuff that we're looking for. Correct. So the, uh, the high shelter expense would, uh, increase the, uh, the minimum amount slightly, but mm -hmm. to get the, uh, the big jump to, to 30, uh, to $3,216 is more of, let's just say that a community spouse lives in, uh, uh lives in assisted living mm -hmm. and they have an assisted living bill that's due every month and their income wouldn't cover it. Yeah. That and would be, that, that would be, a, that exactly. would be a hardship, right? Exactly. Exceptional so, circumstance. Exceptional circumstance. So we would send that to a uh, 10 care appeals unit okay. and send, you know, um, invoices from the, uh, assisted living right. with the uh, with the appeals application, and that's I guess another like little uh, takeaway here is is that if you need more money, if you're a community spouse, mm -hmm. uh, you sometimes you can get it. Sometimes you can get it correct. Right. If you go, to, uh, our experience is is that if you just apply, they're not going to give it to you unless you ask for it. Correct. And there's a way of asking for it, which is going th uh, through the appeals unit. It's it's kind of hard to get the caseworker to make that change at that level, uh -huh. that big of a change at that level. Okay. Now we, let, I know we've got one more thing I think to talk about, and that is, um, is, is the income. You know, some people here, they call it a Miller's trust, Miller's trust or a QIT is we, what we call it a Medicaid qualifying income trust. And so just briefly tell us what that is. So the Medicaid, Medicaid qualifying income trust is literally just a bank account. Uh, but the, the bank account has guidelines that okay. it has to meet. Who needs one? Anybody, who, needs, who needs a QIT? Any applicant with the income, with their gross income being above $2,349, that number increased from 2013, uh, 2019 also. Okay, so that number goes up from year to year. That number goes up from year to year. And if, uh, and if your income is above the 2349, you go find a bank that would uh, okay. actually establish it. You'll take the trust document, ID, social security card, and the power of attorney right. of the applicant take it to the local bank and have them establish a QIT and the trust document actually sets the guidelines gotcha. for that bank account. So the institutionalized spouse say has $3,000 a month in social, you know, social security and pension or social right. security, and there's $1,500 for the community spouse. So there's actually have to be a QIT for the institutionalized spouse because they're over the 2,300, right? Correct. It, it would have to be, it would still have to be a uh, QIT just because they're over. So they take the gross income before any deductions. Gotcha. Even though your payment to the facility may be less than $2,349, you still have to have a QIT. Right. And you can actually make those distributions from the QIT to the facility, to the community spouse. Gotcha. But again, your your payment, your uh, income each month still would not change. It, it will continue to go into the account that right. it was going to, then you transfer funds to the QIT. Right. And then from the QIT, you can make your distributions. Mm -hmm. I mean, I happen to think that it's just another impediment for people to be able to get Medicaid. Correct. Because if they, <laughs> if they don't get it done this month, then their private pay for that month. Correct. That is exactly correct. Um, to be approved for 10 care, 
And if you need a QIT, the month you file the application, you also have to have the QIT established. Right. And you have to, uh, for TenCare to uh, uh, approve the QIT, you have to fund it. And they change that from being just using whatever the bank would allow you to open the account. Normally, you know, a hundred bucks. Now is you have to fund it with the amount above twenty three forty nine. So that's another step, which that step is non disqualifying. It's not disqualifying, but they'll make you do that before they accept the QIT. Gotcha. Okay. Anything else about the numbers, Josh? Um, the numbers. For, I'm sure our, our I'm sure our uh, listeners' yeah. heads are going like this. <laughs> yeah. But all the more reason is the takeaway Correct. is part of it is to have professional help. Correct. So we also uh, we uh, we help our clients with QMB and SLMB, which are Medicare savings programs. Right for people who can't afford their maybe your 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 health and your supplemental insurance premium, your Part B, B premium. premium. Correct. So. Um, Sounds the like numbers, a, the yeah. numbers didn't change for 2000 and they hadn't changed yet, yet. which they'll probably change later this year or maybe even imminently. Yeah, mm-hmm. they'll change, but the numbers right. are still uh, current for 2019. We help our clients with that too. Correct. Uh, to apply for QMB, if you're applying for choices, you're automatically filtered through that category, meaning that if we file a, a, a application for our client for choices one or choices two, they're going to fill, they're going to, dis- they're going to. Decide whether you're uh, right. qualified for that program as well. Correct. So when you get your letter from TenCare, whether it's letting you know it, if you're being denied or approved, right? Uh, the another little gotcha there. The, there's a little gotcha. The the guidelines, the income guidelines for QMB and SLMB are very low. Very few people, you know, and right. our clients meet those. Mm-hmm. So when you get your your letter from TenCare, you may see that it's been denied mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. MSP, well, that's different from choices. So yeah. continue to read your letter and then yeah. pay. Don't you know, panic. S- correct. Don't panic. Call Josh. Yeah, correct. About seven pages in, you'll see where you've been approved for institutionalized individual if, right. if it's warranted. Okay, great. Josh, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Okay, that's it for episode number four, I guess it is, of Aging Starts Now by Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. So hang with us for our next episode. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.